And our God, we, we do, we just say we worship you this morning. We praise you this morning because you are good. And when we think of all that you've done, all that you've walked us through, all of the moments where we weren't sure and, and your faithfulness showed, your provision showed, your healing showed, God, over and over again, we remember and we remind ourselves and we remind each other that our God is faithful. Our God is worthy. Our God deserves to be praised. And it is our privilege and our honor to worship you this morning, our God to honor you, to praise you with everything that's in us. Lord, I just think this morning of, of uh, the sister that already has spoken to me and, and said, you know, uh, my eyes were so bad, but I've been praying and I've been getting treatment and all of this, and, and today I can be here because my eyes are working again. God, I just say thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So God, we worship you. And Lord, there's all kinds of needs that are represented here, and, and some of them are for healing. Some of them are, we, we need jobs, we need help in our classes, we need um, relational help, we need, um, you know, all of the things, wisdom. We turn to the God who is always, always there and is always faithful and always present. And we submit those things to you, God, and say, would you come and would you be present and would you provide? Would you help pour in peace where there is chaos? Pour in your peace where there's pain. Pour in your healing. Pour in clarity of thought. God, would you take our, our faces in your hands so gently and turn them back to you so that we worship you and we, we are shaped by you. God, walk with us as we go through the remainder of our service this morning. Would you help us to um, hear your voice, not just with our heads, but with our hearts. And we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Those of you on site, you can be seated. Boy, it's so good to have you here today. Cal, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. We're just so grateful for that. It's a good day, hey? Is it a good day? Should we, should we say it? I feel like we should say it. If we do, one, two, three, it's a? It's a great day, and I'm so excited. It's wonderful to have you here. We got people in the balcony, people on the main floor. We got a bunch of people that are joining us online, and it's, it's good to be together with you in God's presence, with our church family, in the presence of God. We're going to start a new series today. We're going to take a few minutes and look in God's Word. If you if you are a smartphone person and you like taking notes, of course you can open the Evangel app and you will see on there uh, the notes and the scriptures that we'll be looking at, the basic uh, points that we'll be walking through, if that helps you to focus in and helps you to... Uh, um, you know, absorb it, then feel free to use that this morning. But uh, we're going to start a new series today. And I was thinking, you know, why are we doing this? How do I start this? And, and I went all the way back to, I think it was March 8th, 2020. Now, you might not remember March 8th, 2020. I remember March 8th, 2020. I, I'm pretty sure it was March the 8th. It was a Sunday. And we were all here, you know, like normal, right? And, um, and I, we were walking around saying hi to people. And I remember walking up and saying hi to Claire. 
Claire is a doctor here in Montreal and a leading doctor. She's based in the Children's Hospital. And she looked at me and I was just saying hi to her and she said, Patty, it's coming. The coronavirus is coming. She said, you're going to have to make some decisions. And I remember going, okay, right? And I, I muttered something vaguely nothing, I'm guessing. And, and, and just, you know, I thought, well, we'll just navigate whatever this little bump is, this thing called a pandemic. How many know that Claire on that day knew what a pandemic meant and I didn't, right? And so by, I believe it was by the very next Sunday, we moved our Sunday gatherings completely online. And then two days after that, we sent our staff home and we said to them, go home and don't come back for at least three weeks and be prepared for six. Guys, it's been 19 months, <laughs> okay? And I just wanna stop right now and do a shout out to, to Claire and to the other doctors and nurses and paramedics and healthcare professionals um, who have just, yeah, at Evangel and, and the ones that are connected with us. I mean, you have served our community so selflessly and we just wanna give you a big shout out of thanks today and honor and just say thank you for all that you've done in serving our communities during this time. And I just want to say I'm especially grateful to some of them because uh, they have offered, you have offered us wisdom, you've given us credible information, me and our lead team as we've made decisions. And so I'm just, I'm just grateful for that. So yeah. This past summer, uh, I listened in on a webinar. I, I do webinars now, I listen to them because that's, that's another thing I've learned. And I listened in on a webinar with Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer is um, a leading Christian author, speaker, missiologist, church planter. He's the Dean of Wheaton College in Illinois. He has two earned doctorates. And yet he's, as, he's not you know all academic, pie in the sky. He's as practical as they come, super down to earth. And so he's, he's a voice that I listen to. He's one of the voices that I listen to. And so um, we were listening to a webinar with him. And at that time in the summer, the U.S. was ahead of Canada in reopening their on-site church gatherings. So Ed had some experience and some information to offer to us Canadian pastors. And this is what he said. Okay, brace yourself. I listened to this a few months ago. He said, okay, pastors, picture your church auditorium and divide it into thirds. He goes, one third is already gone. Oh. They're gone. They're disconnected. They're gone. They're not coming back. Make your peace with it. And then he said, one third is still here, same as they always were. And the last third, he said, are new and, and they're still here and, or, or they're more engaged than ever. So I was like, oh, okay. And then he kept on talking and he said that in the U.S. at that time in the summer, churches were experiencing about a 40% return rate of pre-pandemic numbers. And I thought, oh, okay. And then he said, unless, unless, <laughs> unless it was an urban area that had been particularly hard hit by this virus. So he mentioned New York City. Remember, New York City was really bad for a while. And as he's talking, I was going, oh, man. Montreal was hit really bad too. Montreal was the worst in Canada for a number of months. And he said, in those areas, it's about a 25% return rate. And I went, okay, all right, that's fine. 
And then Ed said this, and, and I've mentioned it before here. So if you've been tracking with us, you've heard. But he said, you need, listen, pastors, you need to start helping your people understand again what the point of church is. He said, we've all emphasized that church is not the building, it's the people. And that is true, right? That's true. It's not the building, it's the people. And that's true. And he said, we've pivoted to gather online because it was the right thing to do for the sake of the health and welfare of our communities that we live in and we serve. And so he said, there's this great quote that I have just, I love it. He said, we accepted a temporarily deficient Ecclesiology, and some of you just went, what, what words? There's so many words, okay? Ecclesiology is the study of the church, okay? He said, we accepted a temporarily deficient ecclesiology in the emergency of the pandemic for the sake of the mission. Our mission is to love our neighbors and to show them Jesus, right? This is what he said. We all, we all did it. He said, we accepted a temporarily deficient ecclesiology in the emergency for the sake of the mission. But, but, to suggest that the church never needs to gather again because we temporarily didn't is a really poor understanding of church. Really bad understanding. It's deficient. It's missing something. Like, so let me give you an example, okay? Uh, remember, remember in the before time, that's what I'm calling it now. Remember in the before time, you'd get on a, on a plane, this machine that had wings and it would go up in the air and you'd go to a whole different part of the planet. How many remember vaguely ever doing that? Right? I'm sure we did something like that, right? And, and we traveled to, now how many know when you did that, you go to a whole other part of the planet, your body gets messed up. Because you get lacking sleep, right? You, you choose not to get a solid seven or eight hours of uninterrupted sleep because you're on a mission. And your mission is to get to the other side of the world, right? A whole other place. And so you accept temporarily deficient sleep for the sake of your mission. And there's a cost. Jet lag. Some of us get an upset stomach. We won't go any further, okay? But there's a cost sometimes. When it be, but, but it's okay. You're okay and you recover quickly because it's temporary. But how many know that's not a good way to live, right? With constantly messed up sleep. Uh, how many new parents do we have in the room, right? We got some new parents in our room, in our church that are, that are online. And you can, they, are in a, they are in that phase right now of constantly messed up sleep. And, and they're doing what needs to be done. They're having temporarily deficient sleep for the sake of the mission, which is to keep that baby alive and well and healthy. But this is not a good long-term pattern to establish for the rest of your life to never have sleep, right? right? And all the parents said, amen, okay? Temporarily deficient ecclesiology is also not a good long-term pattern. So, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about church. Let's talk about ecclesiology. How many have just learned a new word this morning? Okay. Say it with me. Ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Don't you feel smarter now? Okay. So we're going to talk about it because if you are thinking, if you're really thinking about this, you, you may already have been, your question should be, uh, what's the point of the church gathering regularly? Why are we doing this? Why, why do we, is it just a spiritual support group? Is that what the church is all about? 
Uh, some of you might be saying, what's the difference between church and Christians just hanging out together? Is, is there a difference between those two things? So we're going to talk about it. We're going to take maybe four or five weeks to talk about this. We're not going to cover everything because ecclesiology is a big word and it's a big subject and we can't cover all of it. We're going to talk about what it seems important to know now at this time as we slowly start to gather together again. And we're going to, at times, we're going to use the early church, you know, in the book of Acts, in the New Testament of our Bibles. We're going to use that as a reference point sometimes. Not because the early church was perfect, okay? If you think the early church was perfect, you have not read your Bible. They were not perfect. They were messed up sometimes. But we still use them as a reference point because they were the closest to the beginning. So they, we figure they had a pretty good idea of what Jesus said and what the apostles were teaching. So we'll, we'll talk about that sometimes. But what I want to do today is um, the pandemic has raised some real misconceptions about the church. Has anybody else noticed that? It's raised some real misconceptions about the church. So I want to start today by addressing that, and probably you're, you're going to get offended at one point. So just make your peace with it. You know, get offended when you do, and then move on, okay? But we're going to start today with, with addressing some of these misconceptions. I'm going to call it the church is not, okay? We'll start easy. Number one. The church is not the building. Okay, that's, that's easy. We're pretty good at this, I think. I think we understand that. Our church understands that theoretically. We, I mean, we like our building. It's a nice building. We like our building. We, we worked hard to renovate it maybe and make it more functional maybe six years ago, eight years ago, something like that. It's a great building if you take transit to get here. It's just right at the hub if you drive and you have to park, it's, it's less great, but it, it still works. It's okay. And it's, it's, it's a great visit. We have this building, we have another building and we can host small groups of people, medium groups of people, big groups of people. We have a, a kitchen so we can make meals. We've got a, um, a kid's area that's full of bright colors and is perfect, you know, really safe and all that for kids. And we are, we are we're accessible. We have a, a lift. And, and so it's a great facility and we're really, really thankful for it. And we often, you know, we go to short forms. And we often call it the church, but technically what we mean is the church building, okay? Because the church technically is not the building. We're good on that. Nobody got offended on that one, right? Okay. Number two, the church is not an organization or an institution or a charity or a support group, okay? Now, there are lots of those things out there that are not faith-based. Organizations, institutions, charities, support groups, lots of those things out there. They're good. I'm thankful for them. They add to our society for the most part. And we do have pieces of that as part of how we function as a church. So we are usually organized in some way. You can see that even in how we're running our service today. There's a plan. We're organized in some way, but that is not our purpose. 
we we do have uh, churches do have institutions that come out of that organization, and and sometimes that's good. I mean, we we are part of a fellowship called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's an organization of churches that are across Canada, and we all you know sign on to the same beliefs and all of that. And so sometimes there's institutions that come out of this organization. Sometimes that's really good. It helps to facilitate things. Sometimes, let's just be honest, okay, other institutions, sometimes institutions can become less good over time. That's true of any institution. They can become uh, a little bit, uh, start existing for their own self-preservation instead of actually serving the mission and serving the people that they were created to do. So that can happen sometimes. Um, there are there are charities out there, and charity is a big part of what we do. It's a Christian thing to give, to live generously. We give in our church, and we give outside of ourselves, and we do all of that. And we're really privileged to live in a country that actually gives us a tax break for our charity, which is really cool. They recognize that we add to society, that we bring good to our culture, which means we get a tax break for what we give, but that's not why we give. Being a charity is not our main purpose. And we're not a support group primarily either. We do support each other. We support each other emotionally, practically, spiritually, but we're, we're more than a spiritual support group. That's, that's not our purpose. So the church is not primarily those things, okay? Okay, number three. Guys, the church is not being persecuted in Canada. Now see, somebody just got offended. That's okay. But a few of you have reached out to me over this time and said, you know, Patty, I've seen these headlines. Or you have family or friends in other countries that have seen headlines. And you see these headlines and say, oh my gosh, the Canada is arresting pastors. Canada is locking the doors of churches. No, no, Canada isn't. Okay? Have there been, mm, I'm trying to say this so nicely. Have there been an extremely small number of pastors or churches who have publicly made their choice to not cooperate with public health or government protocols? Yes. Has that choice in a very small number of cases had some consequences? Yes. Is that the same as persecution? No. No, it's not. Restrictions and protocols are being applied in every sector Nobody's discriminating specifically against faith groups. That's not happening. And listen, I'm just going to, this is why I need to say this, okay? Because the Christian church is being persecuted in other parts of the world. It is. There are people who are badly suffering in other countries. There are people who are being imprisoned and tortured legitimately because of their faith. And there are people that are dying because they are followers of Jesus in other parts of the world. And some of you have come to Canada from those parts of the world, and you know what I'm talking about. You know it firsthand. Some of you have told me your stories. So let's not equate, um, you know, being able to join church online while sipping a coffee from the comfort of your own home. Or coming on site and just wearing a mask when you sing. Let's not equate that with the suffering of our Christian sisters and brothers in other parts of the world. 
Okay? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Okay. Number four, the church is not just a group of Christians hanging out. Now, now this one, you know, some of you are going you're gonna to go, oh, she's talking to me. So I'm not going to make eye contact with any of you, okay? But some of us have grabbed a phrase and we've pulled it out from scripture. And it's a good phrase and it is something Jesus said, but we've kind of taken it and stretched it way beyond what it was ever meant. Because Jesus said, you know, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. And we're like, okay, that's it. And some of us, we invite over two or three people to our house, or we go to a cafe together and we go, you know, right, where two or three are gathered. And then we hold up our espresso and we go, oh my gosh, this is the best espresso I've ever had. This is church, baby. No, it's not. Okay. That's not church. Listen, listen, let's look back at Acts chapter two, verse 42. It's one of the earliest descriptions of the church. Okay. All the believers devoted themselves to going to cafes and having a lovely cappuccino. No, I mean, yes, but no, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. And then, by the way, P.S., it also goes on and says they also shared everything from food to living space at times. They worshipped. They told others about Jesus. They had a great reputation in the community as the church, and they saw miracles. My friends, that's church. That's church. It's, it's not just a group of Christians hanging out together, Okay. And over time, especially in North America, as, as style of church has, has changed and adapted and evolved for different um, crowds and different scenarios, and sometimes it's made the definition of what is a church gathering is put it up for grabs a little bit. And our own fellowship, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, has worked hard to, to figure out what that means because we believe in planting new churches. We keep doing that. And so then we, because we're doing that, we had to go, well, what does that look like? What is the definition of a church? What are the things that are non-negotiables if we're going to call it church? And this is the definition that we came up with for what it's worth. A church is a Christ-centered gathering for people with the support of leaders, meeting regularly for worship, caring, teaching, praying, and actively engaging in mission with the intention of continuing to meet for these purposes indefinitely. Well, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good definition. It's more than hanging out together, okay? Number five, the church is not contained to Sunday mornings. It's not. If you've been tracking with us, you've heard me say Sunday's not the end game. Sunday's not the end game. Our goal is not to get as many people as possible in the seats on Sunday morning and do the biggest show in town. That's not our goal. Our goal is to make disciples. Making disciples is our goal. And I, I'm sorry to tell you, that takes more than just tuning in for an hour on Sunday morning. I mean, can we be honest? If we all <clears throat> pulled out our phones or our laptops or tablets right now and looked at that screen time analysis, oh yeah. There's a whole lot of us that are being discipled by social media. If we just look at how many hours we spend. Some of us are being discipled by Disney. Some of us are being discipled by Netflix. 
And, and then, and, and we, we, this is what shapes us and this is what influences us. And some of us, we're not even thinking about how we choose who we follow on social media. We, or, or, or what it is that we binge watch on, on Netflix or Amazon Prime. We just let anybody out there have a voice in our head for hours at a time. And we keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And then we wonder why we're struggling in our faith. Okay. Listen, popping in on Sunday morning for an hour is barely going to keep you alive as a follower of Jesus. So, so at Evangel, and you know this because we've been talking about it, we've, we're offering simple, transferable, mobile, ongoing cohorts. They can be part of, they can be on site, they can be online, they can be in your home, they can be whatever. And they're all designed. We've talked about it. I'm not going into it today, but they're designed to invite people to faith and to help each of us grow in faith. It's basic training in simple practices and understanding while you're in relationship with other people because that's how you grow in faith. That's what 3Q is at the end of our service, okay? And so, so, so it's not just contained to an hour on Sunday morning, okay? And here's the last one. The church is not, deep breath, the church is not optional for followers of Jesus. It's just not. There's no a la carte version of Christianity. So let's talk about that. Okay, we're going to look at a scripture and, and I'll give you a little bit of context. It's in this moment when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's asking them, who do people say that I am? And they give their answers and then he goes, who do you think I am? And, the, it's, and this conversation is happening and it's a private conversation for the moment because the answer that they're going to give is actually an answer that will eventually get Jesus killed. Okay, but this is the conversation. It's in Matthew chapter 16, starts in verse 16. He's asking them this question and Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, let me, let me help you out. Let me give you some background on what that meant when Simon Peter said that to Jesus. So if we look at, for example, uh, I'm pulling from N.T. right here, who's a really well-known theologian um, and teacher. This is how he explains it. Many Jews of Jesus' day, believed that God would send an anointed king who would be the spearhead of the movement that would free Israel from oppression and bring justice and peace to the world at last. And that person was the Messiah. Now, everybody had different theories of what that would look like, so they weren't quite sure what he would look like. But everybody who believed in such a coming king knew that he would fulfill Israel's scripture and he would bring God's kingdom into being at last on earth as it was in heaven. Okay. This is who Peter says Jesus is. You are the true king. You are the one Israel has been waiting for. You are the one who is going to bring in God's kingdom. You're the one sent by God who's going to make things right. The Messiah. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you're Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build what? My church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is the first time we hear the word church in the New Testament. The Greek word, which you hardly ever hear me say is ecclesia. And it means an assembly, a gathering. It's not actually a specifically religious word. 
It just means a gathering, a community, a coming together of people. So Peter has just identified Jesus as the Messiah, which is huge. And Jesus agrees and then immediately says, I'm going to build something. So Peter goes, you're the one that's going to build God's kingdom. And Jesus goes, yes, and I'm going to build something. But it's not like before. It's not like building the temple in Jerusalem like the Jewish people had done before. He's not even saying, I'm going to build an army. I'm not going to build a government. He doesn't say anything. He says he's going to build a community consisting of all of those who give allegiance to him as God's anointed king. So the first identification of Jesus as the Messiah sent by God and Jesus' first response to that is, I'm going to build a community of people who are following me. And he goes, it's going to be mine, my church, my church. This gathering, this community of believers, of people following Jesus belongs to Jesus. Okay. There is, brace yourself, there is no version of Christianity that does not include a community of faith centered around Jesus. And you're like, what? Well, what about, okay, there's always outliers. There's always exceptions. I just talked about people that are being persecuted in other countries. Uh, we personally know people who were jailed for their faith, you know, two years, maybe longer, and they couldn't be part of a community. And you're going, well, Patty, are you saying they're not a follower of Jesus? No, that's an exception. It's an outlier. There are people with, with specific needs who are, who are isolated for that reason. But generally speaking, okay, generally, there's no version of Christianity that does not include a community of faith that's centered around Jesus. And this community that Jesus starts is not just this vague, out there, cloud, you know, intangible community. There is a spiritual connection. Of course there is. But in the New Testament, when you read the Bible, all the conversations around church, they're talking about physical gatherings. That's what they're talking about. It's people coming together regularly as the community of faith centered around Jesus. Almost all the letters of the New Testament, there's a couple exceptions, but almost all the letters of the New Testament, you know, the things that you read that are written with teachings and instructions to you, you should do this, you should do that, you should stop doing this, you should believe that. All of it, it's almost always written to a plural you. It's written to churches. So being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, yes, it's an individual decision, yes. But by definition, it includes then being part of a community of other people who have made that same individual decision. And it can, I mean, here we are, we're in 20, I don't even know what year it is, 2021. And... <laughs> We can be part of a community on site. We can, it seems we can be part of a community online, but not just watching, not just sitting and watching. Okay. This is a real tangible community in which, in which reconciliation and justice and peace are learned and practiced together in community. This is a real tangible community that, that cares for each other and that worships together and that grows together. That the, this is a real tangible community that the rest of the world should be able to see. And if we get it right, you guys, if we get it right, 
then when they see us and when they see how we live and they see how we act with each other, then they see what Jesus was talking about. They see Jesus. That's, that's what the church is when we get it right. And have we failed sometimes? Oh, yeah. I see the same headlines you do. Listen, let's just say it out loud. Thousands of children abused in the Catholic Church in France bear witness to stunning, horrific evil that has been done in the name of Jesus Church. Thousands of indigenous people right here in Canada can bear witness to abuse that's been done in the name of Jesus Church. I mean, if I asked you, some of you could tell me stories of misuse of power or finances or unresolved conflict or just a shocking lack of love at times in Jesus Church. So, yep, I'm the first one to say we have failed sometimes. Um, communities sometimes become organizations that become institutions and institutions sometimes get lost and start preserving themselves and preserving power. And I think, I just, I mean, there's a whole conversation to be had, but I think that's when we get it wrong. But there are also millions of churches around the world, like this one, that are just full of people that are following Jesus. And they're doing good. And they're loving each other. And they're revealing Jesus. They don't make the headlines, generally speaking. But they're getting it right. And I think, I, I think, I hope, I think we're getting it right too. I think we're getting it right at this church. We're not perfect. I said it first. But we know who we are. And we're, we're checking ourselves constantly. And we learn. And we adapt. And we make mistakes. And we fix them. And we repent. And we forgive. And we grow. And so our church accepted a temporarily deficient ecclesiology in an emergency for the sake of our mission, just like most other churches. And, and in many ways, we're still doing that. And by the way, even while we've been living with that temporary deficiency, we've done pretty well. If you were part of our annual members meeting a couple weeks ago, you heard us talk about we've, during this time, people have been baptized, people have come to faith, people have been fed, people have been learning to pray, our global works are still being financially supported, we have youth learning to be leaders. I mean, we're, we're doing pretty good considering there's a deficiency. But uh, I think it's time to start rebuilding a strong ecclesiology. You know, a full, robust understanding of the church, who it is, why it is, how it is, and make sure that we get it right.
so that as our world starts to slowly come back together again and gather together again, and we start doing the same, and you go, but Patty, the pandemic's not over yet. We're in a fourth wave. I agree. I'm not pushing anybody, but I figure we might as well start learning now because eventually we're going to be back, and maybe we should start learning it now so that we get it right when we get there. Because here's the challenge. If you live with a temporary deficiency long enough, it starts to feel normal. Some of you new parents barely remember what it is to get a good night's sleep and wake up refreshed. If you get four hours in a row, you're like, woohoo, <laughs> And you know what? Some of you, you barely remember what it's like to physically gather with other believers, to actually be in the same space with other members of your church family. Some of you barely remember what it is to worship and pray and fellowship together and learn together. And we, we've lived with temporarily deficient for far longer than we ever thought possible. And eventually, we can start to think, well, hey, you know, I mean, this works. It doesn't. Not entirely. It's, it's met the need for sure over the past 19 months. And yeah, we're going to keep offering our worship gatherings online because we've grown in that area and there are legitimate reasons for that to exist. Online worship gatherings are a great way for somebody who, who lives in a different part of the world and they're moving to Montreal and they can be part of us before they ever get here. That was happening before and now it's only enhanced. Um, online worship gatherings are great for somebody who, who just can't come on site when we're here on Sunday morning, maybe because of health needs or transportation needs or, or your work schedule. My own husband, his work schedule has changed. He can't be here on site on Sunday mornings. And this way you can still engage with your church family. Um, it's, online is a great way for somebody who's curious to check us out without any pressure. Nobody knows you're here. Online is a, is a great option for somebody who lives in a different community and they just can't find a church there. Maybe there isn't a church there. So, so that we're still going to keep doing it. But a whole lot of us have learned that even though we can do stuff online, we can do school online, we can, do, um, we can work from home through Zoom calls, and we can visit with our family through WhatsApp, you know, still, it's not the same. There's nothing quite like in-person and face-to-face. And of course, that's also true of your church family. So Jesus said, I will build my church, my community. That's us. Let's get it right. So God, we're just going to pause and pray in this moment. And we're sort of diving into a topic we haven't talked about for a while. And it really matters. And it's easy for us to think it doesn't. In Canada, in Quebec here, we live in such an individualistic society. We can easily think it's just about me and God and church. It's just on the side. And we need you, God, to shape us and remind us it is not. You didn't say, I will build a bunch of individual Christians. You said, I will build my church. And God, we want, to, we want to get it right. We don't want to just, you know, 
be some sort of organization or institution or something. We want to be a family. We want to be we want to be Jesus Church gathered in the way that you created us and called us to gather so that we can show the world you. And so I'm asking God that as we have started this today, we take a few weeks to talk about it, would you help us to kind of just ponder it and absorb it and consider what this means in each of our lives? We actually give you permission, God, to shape us and transform us through it. And would you help us as we slowly start coming back together again? Help us to get it right and to do it for your honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just before, we're going to close in just a few moments. Pastor Tim will close us. But just before he does, I'm going to, uh, we always want you to know what's happening at Evangel. And so, Adrian, I'm going to ask you to give us an update on what's happening at Evangel this week. Hey Evangel, so glad to have you here with us. And just before we wrap things up, I've got a couple of reminders for you. First of all, our voting membership class uh, is happening next week on Sunday, the 17th after the service with Pastor Pauline. So if you've been a part of our Evangel family for a while now and you wanna know what it takes to be a voting member, what it means, uh, this is your chance. You can take the class. All you have to do is find the link in the description down below and you can register for this class happening next Sunday. Our second reminder is that we have an ongoing youth ministry uh, happening at 8 p.m. on Friday nights. And also we have an ongoing young adults uh, connect group that happens in person 3.30 on Sundays and also online 8 p.m. on Sundays. And so if you want to find out more about those two ministries and those age groups, just find uh, the links in the description down below for the calendars of the youth gatherings, as well as the registration forms for the young adults connect group. And our third reminder today is more of a request. If you are part of our Evangel family and you have moved in the last year or two, uh, we'd just be so grateful if you would let us know your new address, just in case we need to send you anything such as maybe like a tax receipt uh, at the end of the year. And so um, we're just left to know where you currently live so that we don't send anything to the wrong place. Financially speaking, everything that we do together as a church is funded by everything that we give together as a church. And so um, the easiest way to give is on the screen. It's the text to give option. And you can also find out more about the other ways of giving here at Evangel by uh, going to our info sheet, which you can find a link to the description, a link to it in the description down below. And you can also find it on the front page of our website, evangel.qc.ca. Feel free to follow us on our social media um, at Evangel Montreal on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on YouTube. Remember, hit subscribe if you haven't done that already, and uh, hit the bell icon as well. That'll notify you every time that we go live, which is at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time every Sunday morning, and we're so glad that you can be here with us. Thanks, Adrian, for this information, and thanks to you for joining us online today for our worship service and talking together about a very important topic the church, and why do we gather? I'd love to pray for you as we go. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to us. Help us to consider the words that were spoken to us today. I pray, God, that you give us strength that now as we go out into our world, that you would help us to do good to those around us, to love each other, and ultimately, God, to reveal Jesus to a world that really needs you. Thank you for being with us today, God. Thank you for speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for joining in. We'll see you next Sunday.